you. We magnify you, Lord. You are certainly worthy to be praised and honored, adored, glorified, and magnified. You are high and lifted up, Lord. And we thank you for lifting yourself up in our midst, elevating us with you, Lord, giving us understanding, giving us knowledge, and giving us power to do your will down here on earth. So we thank you for this meeting time with you that you have ordained. And we want to be blessed in it. We know you'll bless us. Give our attention to you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue talking about building. And uh, I thought I'd stop and give you a little uh, historical perspective on the books of Ezra and Nehemiah because it... um, it, it it it'll sound a little confusing like you'll see um Ezra start his uh commentary and his report of what happened with the this situation rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem and then Nehemiah pops up and you say well where did this guy come from and he's in both books apparently when they this these the bible was when these uh, scriptures were first handed over they were one book so it was called the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and was split up by smart people <laughs> later on to, to confuse us <laughs> not really but uh, it it makes more sense when uh, when i think about it la- that way uh, it, you know, and that's always been clear to me that they were uh, overlapping. It appears Ezra wrote, wrote both, both of those. He he is what the uh, the Bible refers to as a scribe, which was a part of the priesthood. The scribes were the ones that kept notes and, and wrote down things. Uh, you remember when uh, um, uh, the king. Uh, uh, in the book of Esther, uh, when he couldn't sleep that night, and he got one of the royal scribes to go and get, get the book to give him something to sleep on. You know, go read me. And they always want to read about themselves. <laughs> they kept chronicles of the kings, and so he he said, "Go get me my book of chronicles." And he found out in that book that he owed Mordecai. You know. So it's interesting. Sometimes when you can't sleep, it is God. He wants you to <laughs> to read some chronicles, and but that was how God put it into His heart to elevate Mordecai. Uh, other than that, Mordecai would have been, you know, uh, another casualty. But God, huh? uh, and so. But anyway, that was Ezra's job. He was a scribe. He was part of the priesthood. He wasn't part of the uh, descendants of Aaron. Those were the ones that worked in the temple. But there were many, many, many uh, of the Levites that were uh, born into the family that took care of the church in the ministry aspects of everything. Some of them were singers. Some of them were porters. They would let people in and out of the gates. They were watchmen over the gates and the temples of God and so forth and so on. So they had a lot of jobs for people. Uh, Aren't you glad you're part of the priesthood now? You can do any job for God that he wants you to do. So that's all us. We have that history with these people to share in. Uh, because God called them out to do the work that they uh, were entrusted to do. 
you remember that uh, the the uh, Levites didn't own land. There, the God was their portion, and so they were given land by the different tribes that they lived with. So, for instance, and it was a local church concept. For instance, if you uh, if you were with the tribe of Benjamin, you had Levites. You had to give them land, make sure they were. T- now they farmed and worked their own land, but they didn't own anything. Uh, and it's a good thing they didn't. I'll tell you why. When Israel was doing well, they would keep the priests busy. You know, and the people were obedient, the priesthood was functioning. When the people would backslide and not do well, the priests were uh, out of work and they had no land that they could go and farm. You know, they, they, you couldn't be an unemployed priest and go to your house and farm because you didn't own one. Why is that a good thing? Well, they if they have nothing and God is their portion, they need to petition God. You got me? Amen. And that's how people were brought back to God when they would backslide. The priests would watch and see, uh-oh, you know, the, they're not bringing their sacrifices and offerings. We had a little turnout at Passover, you know what I'm saying? And they would get to praying and offering to God. And that, that priesthood, because they could not work and own no land, kept that nation together as much as it stayed together. You got me? And so it's a good thing. Sometimes God builds these things in for a reason. And if you think about it, that's a pretty good reason. The priests keep you from losing your salvation. Hello? You keep people from losing their salvation. Are you kidding me? You can go to God anytime you want to and pray on behalf of anybody who is being oppressed by the devil, being attacked by the devil, or being deceived by the devil, and and can get their deliverance for them. So never forget that. The responsibilities of the priesthood uh, are always the same, and that is to keep the people under God, keep them under God's authority, keep them walking with God, keep them in the house of God, keep them functioning uh, for God. And so that's, that's really the effect of high priest the bible says jesus lives forever just to pray for us you you understand we need somebody praying for us all the time and so when you think about that as a priest yourself think about what your responsibilities are and think about how important it is what we do to keep uh, God's people close to God keep them being obedient to God uh, keep them functioning for God and so that's a very very important function of the priesthood so as Ezra was a scribe he was part of the priesthood so I kind of looked this up so I could get a clear understanding of who was who and what was what and when was when. And, and so it appears, uh, like I said, Ezra and Nehemiah were one book. They were first combined books because there, there's so much overlap uh, in, their, uh, in their stories. The book really, the book of Ezra really is about the return to Zion of God's people from the Babylonian captivity. That was very, very important because it was prophesied um, that that they would spend 70 years in captivity when they disobeyed God for the umpteenth time and God said you know if you don't want to serve me go into captivity you like them people because they were always worshiping other gods so sometimes 
sometimes God will just let you have that. You know, you like that, go have that. See if that satisfies you and see if you can live off that, what that God will do for you. And so after the captivity, there were three kings involved in the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem, rebuilding of the city of Zion, a return of God's people uh, from the captivity. It was very, very important that the temple be rebuilt. You can't let people who have a, a set set of values, set of rules by which they live and all that. You can't just let them say, okay, y'all free. Go do what you want to do. Somebody has to pull those people together so they don't backslide again and get in the same mess that they were in before and so it's very and God always works through leadership uh, you know it, it's it's good to have your rights to protest and exercise your free exercise or whatever but God works through leaders he doesn't work through a bunch of scattered people that don't know where they're going and don't have somebody that God can hold accountable for what happens to these people and so that's why God picks up you know raises up ministers in the church Uh, God has to hold somebody accountable for what's spoken what's told his people what what people People are expected to do all of that. He's holding. He holds me accountable for you. That's why I don't let you boss me around. Got me? It, it's it's just that simple. You know, you have no clue what God's told me to do. You know, and I, I know many churches have their board of elders, and that's fine if that's the way you want to do things. But oftentimes that does not work because God has put one person in charge. Now, if y'all suspect I'm running off with your money or something, I can give an account of that very easily. You can see the books of the ministry anytime you want to. You got your Bibles. You can check what I preach, all that kind of stuff. We do what we do publicly. But as far as God putting a minister under the sheep's authority, that's never correct because the God hires people. And you know, if sheep don't like somebody, they're always running around looking for somebody else to sit under anyway. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go over someone just because you got the freedom to go. You know, many times people do that. You know, we when we first started this ministry in Detroit, we had that roving band of troublemakers. I call them because <laughs> you don't see them here now. You see faithful people stay. You know, faith people who hear from God, those are the people that will stick. But, you know, we had this roving band of sheep that just went from one conference to the other one and they never grew. And I kept asking God, he says, because they don't stay planted. He said, I've ordained a place for everybody to be so that they can be planted and grow. And he said, they won't stay planted. That's why they don't grow. And he said, and, and they just look for problems everywhere they go. And I thought, oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you try to encourage people to stay put. But then sometimes you think, well, if they just want to go, they're just going to go to the next place they, they think they can graze at. But God works through leaders, folks. He raises up leaders and he puts them down. He does what he wants to do because God has a mission. He has a ministry. He has a program. He has a vision he has a plan that he is working out on the earth and that plan is that the men would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth that is so much on God's heart that's the main number one thing and so when we see God moving 
especially through leadership there's something important here that God wants done and he wants that temple rebuilt so that he has a place to meet his people uh, he has to talk to his people he has to, to get them to understand uh, who he is and how to work with him and how to worship him and how to expect him to do the things that, that he is promising to do in this in every nation so the rebuilding of Solomon's temple started uh, number one with the physical building of the temple in the city of Jerusalem that was one phase of it uh, these are the the phases told by Ezra. Uh, the second phase was the purifying of the Jews. There was a a uh, situation, and this is of utmost importance, that the people, Jewish people, had begun to intermarry with uh, other tribes of people that were not following the faith. That's a no no for God. It should be a no no for us. You should not be interested in uh, having any kind of romance or any kind of anything with somebody who is not a Christian and I don't just mean somebody who says they're a Christian and, and live for the devil but you got to have somebody the, the fruit of the life of God in that person and then you have to have a witness you know from God through prayer that that person is the right person for you so purification of them was extremely important because in the purifying then the people the purging of all the foreign elements from their nation and they they willingly did it once they came under conviction for it they willingly did it there was one tribe I think it was the tribe of Benjamin they had so intermarried with women from from, uh, other nations that almost nobody was married to a Hebrew anymore in that tribe and so Benjamin was like it was Benjamin was the baby of the nation of Israel and they were like a little spoiled baby they did what they wanted to often and if you look uh, in the the history of Israel where you see trouble somebody from Benjamin's causing the problem from their first king Saul to uh, the the Benjamites who married these foreign women they had to be purged from that nation uh, they were always rebelling doing little you know things to irritate the rest they the the only civil war that Israel had the tribe of Benjamin was almost totally wiped out they came against the whole rest of the 11 tribes of their nation their own brothers and so uh, it's very very important though to realize that purification becoming uh, consecrated to the Lord is very important in our worship and before a temple could have been set up they had to get all of the sin out of the camp all of the intermarriage had to stop Uh, those men had to send those wives and children away and uh, marry into their own bloodline and so it's very very important that that purity of uh, because if you if you are a Christian you marry somebody who isn't you'll do all the compromising you know that you already compromised and they see it and so you'll have to keep doing that uh, throughout the duration of the relationship and so uh, and the third phase was building the wall so the the temple was rebuilt then the purification and then the rebuilding of the wall the wall is very important because it protects 
that nation from and it's like the lock on your door you would not build a house that didn't have a door on it so you must have control over who comes in and who goes out and that was wisdom for any city you never saw a city built uh, ever that didn't have a protective wall around it cities that we have now in our nation because we're one nation we can travel freely between one place to another but you go down the Bahamas even you know you take a little nice vacation and go down there yeah yeah mom come on in mom give us your money and you stay in our hotel and all that but you have to go through customs those people need to know who's coming into their country what you got why you're here all of that Uh, if you go to um, Canada it's the same thing you know you have to be checked at the wall same thing with Mexico all of our borders uh, must be protected and so uh, here in the book of Nehemiah the wall of Jerusalem had come down and that we saw yesterday in talking about Nehemiah that was a real grievance to him because what it meant to him was that we are not a holy people when the wall of of a holy city comes down that means you are not a holy people that standard of holiness is going to be hard to uphold uh, because you you are freely allowing any and every influence to come in any and every uh, type of worship to come in all of that so those things have to be set up Uh, so Uh, the Jews went into captivity uh, well they rebelled against Babylon and were destroyed and taken captive Uh, you also see in the book of Daniel mention of these same Persian and Babylonian kings Uh, Babylon was the nation that captured Israel but then Persia came and captured Babylon and that's why you see these different in the same story like the same story with Ezra you'll see several several different kings named and then you'll see Nehemiah speaking to the king Artaxerxes but it's the same kingdom Uh, Babylon turned into Persia by the time the wall is being built it's now the Persian kingdom and it's under uh, King Artaxerxes and so this is talking about a long process of reestablishing worship of God by his people if you remember when the nation of Israel was first formed and came out of Egypt what did God tell Moses he said this will be a sign to you that you will bring people back to this very mountain and worship me that was the whole purpose of getting those people out of there it's always to worship God it's always to set up worship it's always to have a meeting place for God's people where he can minister to them and they he can help them understand who they are understand life ministry really is not to um, give titles uh, give prominence and you know I know people I honor people I you know I I can see the commitment there I can see the love of God there and I can see their service and their works but very often it's always the visible that gets 
our attention about what God is doing. And if we're not careful and don't learn how to zero in on the spirit of things and focus in on what the spirit is saying and how the spirit is ministering and how the spirit is moving, we'll miss some important things about God. Things that we need to know for our own um, information and for our own ministry that God has created in us. For instance, if the Bible says that you'll lay hands, the believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that's a mandate. That's not a choice. That's not a either or and that's not a, a maybe. It's a command of God. When Jesus chose the disciples, the Bible says he gave them power over all the works of darkness. He gave them power to, to cast out devils and to heal the sick and he sent them out in power. He didn't send them out just to talk or to try and convince somebody to come to their church or be their friend or come to their you know fellowship or sell tickets to a luncheon or something. He sent them out empowered to help humanity with the things that trouble humanity. Sickness always troubles humanity. The devil always troubles human beings. And so why would not God empower his people to do that? But we seldom see places where believers are empowered. We see a lot of entertainment. We see a lot of people who are uh, just liking the next song or uh, trying to see who's in the choir now or trying to get in the choir or get on television or get a record deal. or It's so mixed and polluted. And so this thing about uh, uh, purging the people uh, and uh, purifying the people is such an important step in worship. It really, really is. When you understand uh, what God has given us in in worship and what he can do for us through that relationship that we have through him, through worship, you'll see why this was such an important deal for the nation of Israel. Getting that temple back functioning, getting the priesthood holy so they wouldn't, you know, why why build a building and and fill it up with unholy people? Uh, Why build anything and and try and and, uh, contact God if the people aren't their hearts aren't right before God it makes no sense to me and so all of these steps were extremely important it took a number of years I said I was going to write down the number of years I'm thinking somewhere around uh, from from the time that the order was was made for the rebuilding of the city and the temple uh, to the time where Nehemiah completed it, it's something like 40 years. So that's a long time. And see, when we read the book of Nehemiah, we see the uh, wall finished and it all completed like in 40 days. And and you have to know that as as you work for God and as you complete the steps, at the end of it, he accelerates time. So we see that now with the Amos 9.13 promise that we've been given where God promises to accelerate time and why wouldn't he if he's got all the pieces uh, together and he's got all the people assembled why would things not move more rapidly you know uh, the Bible talks about different things ahead and it says in the fullness of time so and so or suddenly so and so happened it's because God's been assembling all this behind the scenes he's always working folks trust me he's working to assemble 
essential people together he's working to get people's hearts ready so that they will be totally obedient to him totally yielded to him and that they work in honesty and purity and so when you see God weeding out sorting through uh, pulling up unlikely people to do jobs for him and, and to do things for him uh, it, it's you're, you're about to see something amazing you're about to see time accelerate because that's such a pattern throughout the Bible um, that things will go bad and, and you know then all of a sudden God sends a prophet with a word well where'd that come from well suddenly they pop up it's suddenly to us but God's been working on it the whole time you know he's he's had this person under his uh control for instance when David showed up on the scene to fight Goliath where David come who is he he's not he wasn't a soldier he wasn't somebody known in the regiment but he would be known later but he knew God and that's the most important thing that you know God when you know God you know everything you understand me because you have access to everything that's necessary to know always hold on to God don't let anybody talk you out of being being faithful don't let anybody make you feel bad for being uh, committed to God don't let anybody make you feel bad for serving him and for praying and reading your word and studying and being interested in knowing more about God don't let anybody talk you out of that because that's that's more worth more than anything you'll ever possess is that relationship and knowledge of God so the Jews were held captive actually the captivity came at God's order it wasn't just because they rebelled against Babylon but they tried to resist uh, the Babylonians when they came and conquered Jerusalem and they were destroyed and taken captive you know many times the Jews went into battle they were outnumbered and they would go to the priest or to the prophet and inquire of God are we going to fight should we lay down what's going to happen we going to win or do we run and seldom did he have them run you got me uh, and in fact he never did they, if they ran they ran on their own but if they inquired of God he'd tell them leave them people alone I tell you them ain't your enemies I did not the time for y'all to be involved in that but every time they would get inquire of God and get the mind of God about everything that they were doing so uh, Cyrus of Persia conquered Babylon around 539 BC the return of the captives then was uh, supported by Cyrus the king of Persia and completed in the reign of Darius so we see even in the time of Nehemiah there are several kings that are are uh, consenting to the work of the rebuilding of, of the city of Jerusalem and uh, Ezra has completed some of the building of that temple he completed part of the temple rebuilding and uh, so when uh, when we get to Nehemiah he's like the the um, uh, what's that they call it that guy that bats forth the cleanup position in a baseball you know assuming somebody's on first somebody's on second somebody's on third so then the guy who bats fourth is that's the most powerful batter usually is the cleanup guy whatever I learned that from my dad okay he knew all about baseball but but that's that was the order of things so 
your leadoff person, all I'm saying, is not always the strongest person. It's always the cleanup woman, this <laughs> the cleanup man, and the cleanup because they have the they're finishers. There's some people who are starters, and some people who are finishers. The finishers are the people that have the most patience, the most endurance, and the most strength, and their timing is, is excellent. And so uh, you have a lot in that position that many people don't don't think is is that valuable. Uh, so anyhow, um, but Nehemiah is the one who comes to finish up the job uh, because Ezra has laid the groundwork. Uh, there are always uh, people that oppose the work. It appears that during the time of Ezra, uh, the work of of finishing the temple was held up because the same people. Uh, the same thing that happened to Nehemiah happened to Ezra during his time. Uh, it was told to the king at that point that they should not allow the Jewish people to finish building that temple. He said they're rebellious people. They don't pay tribute to the king. They don't pay their taxes. They do this wrong and that wrong. And the king that was in power listened to them and held that work up. Then you see Nehemiah come in his time because God says it's time. God's the one who decides when it's time for rebuilding and when it's time for for doing all of the things. So in Nehemiah's time God moves on the heart of Nehemiah and you see him moving and getting permission from the king to do everything that was done. When they began to read in the the uh, histories uh, of the kings before them, they find out that King Cyrus has already given permission for all of the equipment to be given. So here we have a double order for the, the materials and all of that. You know, when God starts something, he finishes it. He does not change his mind. Uh, when he decides he's going to do something, if he has to speak to the next person in charge and tell them the same thing over and over again, he will do that to make sure that decree is uh, is carried out. So if the devil tries to tell you you can't do certain things, once God's called you, it, it's a done deal. He, he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't have to change his mind. Because once he says something, it's a done deal already. And so you'll see that uh, through, through this relationship with Ezra and with Nehemiah that uh, there was there was some hold up in the, the building of the temple uh, through Ezra's time but then again it was uh, it was decreed in Nehemiah's time that this thing must get done they must get it and and so they even found all of the uh, 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 vessels that were needed for service in the temple those things were preserved uh, they they were never tampered with again um, uh, and if you remember in um, the book of Daniel uh, remember the the first king Nebuchadnezzar who had um, tried to defy them and threw them in the fiery furnace and all of that and he went and lived for seven years out in the wilderness no man saw him he lived like an animal out there they said when he came back hair had grown all over his body like an animal he had claws and talons like but then one morning he came to himself in his senses he said and I found that the God of heaven is one God and then he God revealed 
revealed himself to him. And so uh, he went into captivity because of pride. He started lifting himself up. He got up one morning and said, look at all the stuff I built. And immediately he was banished to live in the wilderness by himself. But when he came to himself, first thing he saw was God. And he worshipped God. And he blessed the God of heaven. And that was true throughout the rest of his life. Well, then his son takes his place. And uh, they at this time, the Israelites are captive in Babylon so these these men are Babylonian kings and what they had done when they went and went in the temple they stripped the temple of all the valuable vessels and gold and uh, chalices and, and the goblets that the priests would offer up to the Lord and, and you know for the drink offering and all that kind of stuff well they had taken that because it was gold and silver uh, and of course any nation that captures you wants to take what's precious from you and stored up for themselves well these things have been stored away and Nebuchadnezzar had made sure that they were held uh, you know in a safeguard uh, because he didn't because he respected God he didn't want to defile anything his stupid son goes and takes all this stuff out and passes it around for his drunk buddy so they're in there having a drunk party one night and they're drinking out of the gold and silver vessels from the temple of God and all of a sudden a fiery finger starts writing on the wall and everybody drops their glass you know what I'm saying and we don't feel like drinking all of a sudden anymore and they're puzzled by what this writing means and of course they go and get first they go get his mother and she looks at him and she says mm, y'all in trouble now son has seen this kind of stuff before uh, this is the kind of stuff that sent your daddy out in the wilderness for seven don't you remember me telling you about him he thought he was bigger than God and God showed him and we barely got him back and now you here acting stupid so uh, God writes on the wall you have been weighed in the balances and found lacking you know you're a little shocked brother so tonight is you you don't have time to make it up sometimes you can be warned you can be a little shocked and have time to make it up but he had no time Uh, and, and what went out from that was that those vessels then became taboo for anybody to touch anybody to mess with everybody knew from that day forward you don't mess with God's holy things those uh, items have been dedicated to God when you dedicate something to God he holds on to it you don't have to do nothing God will take care of that himself your job is just don't mess with it but but, uh, God protects what's dedicated to him that's why it's good to dedicate your children to God dedicate your house to God dedicate your car to God God this belongs to you it does not belong to me and trust me God will take care of dedicated things he he will do it I've done that over the years I dedicate my home to God never had a trouble with anybody trying to foreclose now I've had some people trying to sue me but even that God protects you know what I'm saying I mean they'll take if they see you got property want to sue you put a lien on your I know we not having no liens this belongs to God I do what God tells me to do with that home you got me now I, I, he's not telling me to do nothing goofy that's going to restrict my living 
you understand what I'm saying but I realize that if God just tells me one day I want you to sell this thing and do something else with that money that's, that's his house you know he's always taking care of me and he always will so I don't get stuck on things but the thing I want you to know is God will take care of it we have always been able to pay our bills always been able to to didn't necessary repairs i don't wait for those god always provides the money etc etc and so it's a good thing to dedicate my 20 year old car is dedicated to the lord and it still runs and i'm not eager to go get out i don't want to have another bill i'm you know you know it's just that way with me i i jump in anybody's car and get out. Y'all better take me some. Where you going? I'm going there too. Come on, take me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had new cars when I was young. In a thin slip of a girl. And, you know, with my hair blowing in the wind. And, you know, the convertible top. But that's over. You got me? <laughs> I'm trying to pin it down now. You know what I'm saying? Hang on to it. So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we had different strokes for different folks. But uh, my days of getting excited about material things are pretty much over so anywho uh but uh you know you can get hung up on stuff sometimes i watch myself with that you know and and, uh, but but dedicate them to god he'll take care of them trust me he will take care of them i tell these young people all the time i said don't be playing that stupid music in your car because that's why you always got it in the shop somewhere i said put god's word on there get you some some uh cds if it takes cds get on the radio and some of that some of that stuff though is not worth putting on there but you know keep the word on going on it keeps some holy music on there uh don't mix it up you got me some people mix it i don't mix it mm-hmm you put pure things on there you know be be dedicated if it's going to be dedicated dedicated you know what i'm saying uh i don't play secular music on there i don't play motown and the oldie moldies and all that kind of stuff yes that's worldly stuff i don't do it it's not worth it to me that's why my car has been paid for 20 years (laughs) and i want to buy another one you can't make me neither you know if it if it like you know i had that thing with the starter on it uh and in the uh, the younger guys that got nervous they got so nervous about my starter were you going out that again yes in jesus name going out here in the name of the lord most high takes care of me scared of you i scared of this car you know it, it finally it was the starter and it would sometimes it would click sometimes it wouldn't i'd pray in tongues and just sit there and off i go when started up how you know it's gonna start it will in jesus name y'all just pray me on back in pray me on out and pray me on in you know i mean you use your faith on things what am i gonna do you have a fit call triple a what i ain't calling them people i'm gonna click finally uh i think it was matt gave me a gift certificate to get a starter for christmas they got so nervous about <laughs> about my car i said well lord for their sake i trust the god of heaven but for their sake i will go get my starter repaired and the mechanic can eat for a week you know what i'm saying whatever 
But uh, none of these things move me. <laughs> you got me? Yeah, I'm just not moved. Because I know what dedication means. I run all the time. till God says, do something to get these kids off your back you know what i'm saying so anyway anywho and uh and that's what a dedicated thing is god will protect it if nothing else encourages you that story about the the handwriting on the wall should let you know that whatever you dedicate to god he takes care of and he will destroy anything that stands in the way of it. He will not let your kids dedicate them to God. God, I offer, I don't know what all that means, but I offer my children up to you. I offer my grandchildren up to you. Learn how to put things over into his hands and you won't be upset about everything. You'll sleep at night and God is out there taking care of your folks. Taking care of all of that stuff. And then he's serious about that. He he takes care of it. If you're sincere about it, he'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about people. You know, you don't have to fear anything. But allow God to work. I remember the day I told him when, when uh, we first when I first came to the Lord, my husband had told me he wanted a divorce. And I really, to be honest with you, the first thing I thought to myself was help yourself. You know? <laughs> You don't leave me. I leave you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Until I started to get depressed. Because that's what the devil had waiting for me. You know, your mind can torment you. And and tell you, you've done something wrong. It's something that, you know, when you start getting guilt that you can't get rid of, you'll cry out to God. And that's how I got saved. And so I got saved that way. And after I'd worked it out with God, it's, God, do you want me to stay with this man? I mean, is this going to work? Or, you know, we talked about that for a long time. And so when I finally made up my mind one day, I saw in the Bible, it says, what God, what you put in God's hands, no man can pluck out. And I said, well, God, you take my marriage and you work this out and you tell me what to do. You teach me how to be a good wife. You teach me all the stuff I need to know. Don't ever assume you do everything right because you don't. You got me? Just humble yourself. Learn learn what you need to learn. And uh, do do what you, you do you. You know, you do you between you and God. And God will work things out. But I never worried about my marriage after that i never worried about you know all the things that people go through when they're married when you're young uh, you live a certain way when you get middle age you live a certain way well god will hold you up through all of those years you understand me and and it's secure your marriage is secure and so uh, it, it works it really does work so always remember if things get too tough for you or you think you can't handle something give it to god he is more than able to handle all of these things. So, Nehemiah, he's got a mandate now to complete this wall. So, now King Cyrus of Persia had given a decree uh, and provided all of the materials for that. Let me see if I can find that. Let me see if I, I'm going to go into the book of Ezra real quick and see if I can find a reference to that. Because, uh, you know, I didn't want to confuse anything between the two books. But I, if I can find the... the um, uh, 
Okay, it's probably here in chapter 1. In the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Thank God for prophets who can hear God's word and, and speak that word out. And then there's a record of it. And then it pulls the rest of it together. That word has to come from God first before it can be carried out. So the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus king of Persia to make a proclamation throughout his, his realm. And also put it in writing. This is what Cyrus king of Persia says. The Lord the God of heaven has given me all the kings of, kingdoms of the earth. As he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may not be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods. Who does that? I mean, who gives you that kind of freedom and that kind of of, uh, access and provision to do work? Nobody but God. Anybody who says God doesn't, they're afraid they won't have enough this or have enough that. You just go read your Bible real careful one day. And see if you come up with a better understanding of things than that. The heads of the families, Judah and Benjamin, the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved. Make sure you pray for God to move people's hearts. You don't want to have to take people hostage to do things in God. You know, there are times people will ridicule you. Uh, I know people in this ministry always get it from, you you service, oh, I can't go to that service too long. Too long for what? (laughs) What are you trying to, what do you want to accomplish? It depends on what you want to accomplish. Me, myself, I want to go somewhere in God. You know, or a Saturday. Well, everybody's upset about Saturday because they got things to do. You can go to hell on Saturday if you're not careful. You understand what I'm saying? I'd rather spill Saturday praying than to do anything else. So anyone whose heart is moved, that's what you want. You want people whose hearts are moved. You don't want to have to always tell people they got to do things and make them do stuff. You know, uh, people in this ministry have had trouble uh, sometimes finding, getting together with their prayer partner. Well, you got to pray for your prayer partner's heart to be moved to want to pray. Because people sometimes, you give an assignment to pray and they think it's optional. You know, people do. So let me tell you what people's, their minds, when your mind gets in rebellion like that, a carnal mind will tell you, well, it must not be that important. God ain't done nothing to me. You got me? It's because the world hasn't come to an end. It must be okay for you not to obey God. That's what the carnal mind tells you. And so and it always gets you to put stuff off, make excuses, can't do it now, can't do it here, can't do it there. <laughs> because you just it's the enemy of God. Yeah, you got the enemy of God living right inside of you. And you don't even understand that that's what's going. You think it's a, a normal excuse. It's okay to make an excuse and not be able to do something. And that's just not true. The grace of God enables you to do everything that God wants you to do and then some. And so we have to understand. Like sometimes we'll wonder how these people pack their children up and go uh, over to a, a remote area where there's no running water, there's no toilets. Well, they they their hearts have been moved to do that that's what and we have to respect that in people you know, well, I couldn't do that and you won't get asked 
You got me? You just stay what you're doing because you, you won't be the one that he has to do it. And so we have to understand that, that God moving on the hearts of people is very important. When he moves on people, uh, you better look out. Because if you ain't on his side, you will get runt over. If they say get runt over. (laughs) (laughs) So he brought out the articles belonging to the temple. Verse 7. See those things were stored. After the crazy king. You know what I'm saying? Nebuchadnezzar took him. His his son tried to mess with him. And uh, he said uh uh. So he says he brought out the articles. Verse 7. Belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the temple of his God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought uh, by the treasurer who counted them and made sure that they were all there. So they had taken an inventory and stored them. Gold dishes, silver dishes, silver pans. Now the fact that they were in the house of his God doesn't really mean anything. They weren't used and tried to be rededicated they were stored there so nobody would go in and get them you got me and he says all in all there were 5400 articles of gold and silver Shesh Bazaar brought all these things along with the exiles when they came up so they returned all their stuff to them intact what's dedicated to God he takes care of folks not going to let anybody have it the listing of all the people that returned I think is just so um so indicative of God's love for people. He, these people, these were real people, and God saw fit to put their names in the Bible. He cares for us, folks. If He writes their names down, He writes yours down too. You got me. We're all important to Him. But but this lets us know these were real people. They lived real lives, and they were important to God because we have a record here of real people having done all of those things. And so the temple goes on to be rebuilt. I'm trying to think where they they got stopped. Um, in chapter 4 it says when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord the God of Israel they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said let us help you build because if we seek your God you have sacrificing him since the time of king of Assyria and brought us here but Zerubbabel Joshua and the rest of the heads of the families answered you have no part with us in building the temple to our God we alone will build it for the Lord the God of Israel is King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us so they were not allowed to bring other people even though they volunteer and God's always warned me about that he said be careful of people who volunteer and invite themselves into he said if you need help you ask me for it and I'll send you the help that you need you got me and people get offended if I say well you know right now we really don't need so and so or such and such and they they get offended because they think you're just supposed to say everybody this is a free party this is how ministers of the gospel get uh, embarrassed because they get rejected from being on somebody's TV show when they find out you really preach the gospel you got me My my thought is if you work for God, keep working for God. You need to go out in the secular world and do anything. You got a nice voice because God gave it to you. you I mean, you're, you're, you don't need the world to tell you you're a good singer in order to feel good about your gift. You don't need that. 
All you need is God's sanction on what you're doing. You need his anointing to fulfill what, what you're supposed to do. And this crossover business where Christians are on so-and-so's, oh, he's on uh, so-and-so rapper's, uh, uh, his own, on his album, his, he invited him over. Stop that stuff. Yes, just be dedicated to God. Go out, go out with God. You don't need all these worldly people. Since when do we need the world to do anything for us? Our God owns everything. But the, you know that was the king's decree. He said you Jewish people do that. He didn't say none about invite nobody else to the party. So they decided to stick with what was uh, what was uh, ordained by the king. Verse 6, at the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against them. That's where it starts. You got me? Whenever you work for God, somebody not going to like it. And they're going to come and make it known and try to stop it. Because the devil's crazy. His people think they have all the power in the world to do whatever they want to do forever. It says, in the, in the days of... Uh, Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Bishlam, and all them, and the rest of his associates wrote letters to the king. The letter was written in Aramaic script, in Aramaic language, and so forth and so on. He says, verse 9, the commanding officer and Shemshai, the secretary, together with the rest of their associates, the judges, officials, all these important people, yeah, 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 and the other people whom the great and honorable were deported, and so forth. And he says, the king should know, verse 12, that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. So when you serve God, you will be called wicked, you'll be called rebellious, and you'll be told on to see if somebody who they think is important can stop you. They're restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built, as walls are restored, no more taxes, no more money. It's always a money thing with the devil and his people. And eventually the royal tributes will suffer. Since we're under obligation to the palace, it's not proper for us to see the king dishonored. We're sending this message to inform the king. King's reply was this. He says, the letter you sent us has been read and translated in my presence. I issue an order and a search was made. and It was found this city has a long history of revolt against kings. As has been a place of powerful kings ruling over the whole trans-Euphrates text and tributes were paid to them. Now issue an order to these men to stop the work. So the enemy can be successful in some of his attempts. But you got to come back even more strong. Huh? So under under Ezra, the work had been stopped for a number of years, but then God moved again on the heart of a king. I think it was King Darius that came about later and told him to resume the work. So you're going to see this warfare back and forth, back and forth. Just because something is stopped, that doesn't mean it's stopped forever. You go back and petition God. God, what do we need to do? We know this is what you want done and we want to this complete this. What do you want us to do? In uh, in chapter 6 it says, In the first year of King Cyrus, 
king issued a decree and says let a temple be built as a place to present sacrifices let its foundation be laid and he's given all the the uh, uh, parameters and all the figures of which uh, and it says also the gold and silver articles of the house of God which Nebuchadnezzar the same stuff that was in there originally it's been held and he says uh he says talks to the governor he said don't interfere in 6 verse 7 do not interfere with the work of this temple of God let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site moreover and that holds on to today what's left is what they call that wailing wall in Jerusalem that's still there nobody can move that moreover I hereby decree that you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house so in other words don't stop them and you're going to give them stuff to to, to fix it with you're going to pay for it does that sound familiar <laughs> you're going to pay for that wall <laughs> their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of tragedy and it's, this is how things are done they pay for it out of tariffs and out of uh, uh, toll fees and so forth coming across the wall so forth and so on he says I Darius have decreed it let it be carried out with diligence in other words no stopping don't stop man so they sent out this decree now then it comes over to the time and then, and then Ezra goes through the, the time of the purification of the people um, where does he meet Nehemiah I think it's in Ezra I think it's in 7 Seven thirteen, yeah. Uh, King Artaxerxes' letter to Ezra here. Is this a copy of the letter Artaxerxes had given to Ezra the priest, a teacher of the law, man learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord of Israel? Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, teacher of the law of God in heaven. Now I decree that any of the Israelites in my kingdom. So this is when Nehemiah is raised up. This is the same Artaxerxes that was the king that he was the king's cupbearer and so uh, he sends a letter to Ezra who is already over in Jerusalem and he and he gives permission to uh, Nehemiah who is with him in Shushan and they're they're able to come together and start to get the the work done Ezra has already begun to sort out and purify the people and get ready to offer sacrifices to God as as that was their worship ceremony. It, it involved sacrifices and so forth. And he begins to cleanse and purify the people. He cleanses out the ones who are intermarried and that ends the book of Ezra where he is, is getting these people uh, ready uh, for the temple. And when God sees the people ready he speeds up the time of the building of the temple and the, the gate in Nehemiah's time. And so here we have in Nehemiah uh, where we left off yesterday. Where did we leave off? In Nehemiah chapter 2 I think it was. He went around and began to inspect the walls of Jerusalem starting in 2 verse 11. And he didn't take anybody else with him. There are some things that leaders must do in secret. You don't want to. It's like keeping a good confession 
and keeping people encouraged. You don't keep people encouraged by giving them a total damage report. You tell them what we're going to do and what needs to be done. The gates of the city were so far spread out apart that somebody could be working at one gate and didn't know who was working at the next one. You understand? So everybody had their individual job to focus on. But he was the one who saw the whole picture. And that's the part of the leader. They have to know what I call the the whole enchilada. They have to eat the whole thing and know everything that goes on. And uh, in verse 11 it says, I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone that my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall well and the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night examining the wall. Finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. Because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who went uh, who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a disgrace. Anybody who drives through many of our industrial cities, it's a disgrace. It really is. And it is a shame. And it's like we just shrug and keep going. But, you know, somebody has to look at that and say, we have to do something. You know, because God wants to do something. And it may take God a while to find capable leaders who will rebuild and do the work you can see how things don't get done because you can have like city like detroit you know the money's been carried away from here the businesses have been taken away from here even the leaders that come in here rip the city off the last one of the last mayors that this city had is doing like what 20 years in jail or something like that for for ripping this city off people once they get in their minds to steal will not quit stealing until somebody stands up and makes them do it they just do it forever and ever and Kwame wasn't the first one trust me everybody's been stealing from Detroit because it was a mess a hot mess when he got it but he didn't make it any better could have done better but he didn't do better and so when when God exposes people and removes them just let them keep going please let them keep going because you know they've already been fired like uh, you know he was God told uh, Samuel the prophet he said how long are you going to mourn for Saul I'm done with that dude he said I'm over him I want you to get over him too what can you do you have to keep going on you look at people around you who are looking to live it's not fair to your children and grandchildren to let people stay in office that are just ripping everything off it's it's better to bite it you can like them you can love them you can go live with them but if God's removed them from power let them keep going trust me better to stay with God and so here are the builders of the wall that Nehemiah has has uh, found and, and uh, he's made an assignment to everybody. Uh, let me see. Um, 
and verse where are we in chapter 3 yet two we're still okay so he sees the damage he knows what's what needs to be done he confides in a group of trusted leaders he begins to uh, separate out the work and, and picks leaders over certain segments of the work so he tells the priests and the nobles what needs to be done and these are trustworthy leaders and he lets them know what the damage really is and 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 that this is a serious work and we've got to we have a lot of work to do so let's get with it and they agree to the work uh in verse 19 you need to know that there are enemies watching you all the time to see what you do and they will try to mock you and discourage you and distract you from keeping at the work and so when they replied let's rebuild in verse 18 and they began working as soon as they picked up a hammer here comes the enemy Sandalot and Tobiah official and 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 Geshem the Arab heard about it they mocked us and ridiculed us what is this you're doing they asked are you rebelling against the king see they have privy to some of the the orders that have been given to stop them but that order has been lifted now and so they're able so they are dealing with old news that's always what the devil deals with he deals with old news he'll bring up something you failed at 20 years ago and when you step out to do something new he'll start bringing up remember the last time you tried to do that you couldn't do that then and you won't be able to do it now that's him and he says because if you're living in the now and living in the future your future is bright with God you know he expects you to he's going to empower you it's a new day with God every day and I answered him them by saying the God of heaven will prosper us the God of heaven will give us success we his servants then will start rebuilding but as for you you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it I wish everybody in our congress would read this and everybody in the UN would read this these people who are trying to say uh, divide Jerusalem and give part of it to Palestine and take it from Israel they need to read a Bible and find out they have no historic right to any of this stuff they have nothing to do with it that land was given to them in 1948 leave them people alone but the devil's always stirring up listen the people of God get the same persecution Christians get the same as Jews and Jews get the same as Christians why because we serve the same God you got me that same God is our same God now we don't serve him the same way we we are enlightened and have the Holy Spirit but they are serving him historically and God has made provision for those people to survive and for everybody to survive so um so anyway he he decides they're gonna god the god of heaven he's gonna prosper us we don't want you to do nothing uh your name ain't on the list of workers you don't have a hall pass you don't have nothing so anyway the high priest and his fellows priests in chapter three went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate dedicated it and set its doors in place you dedicate when you get when you get a part completed you dedicate that before you move on to the next because God ultimately must keep that temple 
And so as you'll see that with them as they build and they put the door there, they dedicate the door. Uh, Sometimes in Jewish households you'll see phylacteries, little uh, metal carvings of phylacteries over the doorpost going into the house. That's all part of their, their dedication to God. And they want God to protect it and watch out for it. And they built the tower of the hundred which they dedicated. And as far as the tower of Hananel, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section and so forth and so on. So every time a section gets built, they put a door there. And it makes the devil mad because a door means something to him that it doesn't mean to everybody. The door means God's protecting it. See, there's no door there. God can't protect anything. But once you put that door there and you dedicate that, God keeps that. He keeps watch over that. Now, he works through people. He'll set watchmen in place over it. But who do you think keeps the watchman awake so that he's not sleeping on the job? Who do you think alerts the watchman when it's the enemies coming forward? The fish gate was rebuilt in verse 3. He laid the beams and put the doors and bolts and bars there. And all of those people, they put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. It's all done under authority, folks. We don't need any lone rangers, any special people coming up here. And, you know, we don't need anybody finding any exotic gates for us and all of this stuff. You know, we got one imported from Snow. We, just use, we, we got material for that. God's provided everything for that. You know, people try to be helpful and they get involved and hold things up. You know, you have to be careful about that. You know, seriously. Volunteers, I really don't like too well. You know, especially when you got everything. The hard part is getting permission and getting the money and getting everything in place. Then all of a sudden everybody wants to buy. They see it already done. You know, let me be the usher. Oh, no thanks. That job's taken. You'd be wanting to preach next, you know what I'm saying? So, but you know what I'm saying. You, you have to be careful. Be discerning. That's all I'm saying. You don't turn people away necessarily, but just be discerning and thank them for, you know, thank you for for helping out, wanting to help out. But you know, at this point, for me to teach you what to do would just take too much time. You know, we've already got people that do that and so forth and so on. So, you know, sometimes you can use extra help, but. Pretty much it's all taken care of. So, you know, we can usually scare up enough people to do everything we need to do. So, you know, you know what I'm saying. Now, when we have the meetings, you know, if there are people that are are working with the ministry, like, you know, staying at the hotel or something, we tell them, they say, well, we we got a job for you, you know, because they seem to be dedicated. And that's how you get new people involved. But you don't want to turn good help away. But there's a way to get that done uh, without giving it to somebody who's not going to to be faithful to get it done and get it done right and work under supervision so uh, all these gates were repaired uh, they start building and they begin to see that the work is is going pretty fast and when the work is going pretty fast guess whose attention it gets yeah them same three again Amen. And they want to show up every time they see you making progress. They want to show up and try and discourage you from doing what you you uh, are called and ordained to do. So there are two times, actually three times the enemy comes and tries to discourage them. 
all these repairs the fountain gate gets repaired uh, 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 the um, uh, uh, next gate that got repaired I think there was uh, um, the priests were doing working on one gate etc etc then down in, in chapter 4 in verse 1 Sanballat heard they were building wall he became angry and was greatly incensed and ridiculed them that is the one thing the enemy does to discourage you while you're in progress when the enemy starts using ridicule you got to know you must be impressing him pretty much because that's that's kind of like the last thing that he will do to try and stop you uh he'll use fear like before you even get started it's the fear you don't have enough money you don't have enough this you don't have your short on something you don't have enough people you don't have the right people all of that you get the right people and start building anyway then he'll start mocking you and make who do you think you you think you can get that you can't get that done you who do you think you are and so when ridicule starts to come it's usually the last resort of somebody who's lost the war against you already you got me he already knows that you've had enough whatever you're using to get it started and get it pretty much completed and and you have official decrees so if he can get you to agree with him that you can't do it then he's got you all before they were getting kings to write letters officially to stop it once the official decree comes that we will go and build and you start building the only thing they can do now is try to make fun of you and weaken you through playing in your head they try to rent space in your mind and get you to doubt your abilities that's why when nehemiah said the god of heaven will prod god will give us that's what you've got to keep feeding yourself god you told us we will do this you told us we will make an impact in this city you told us you will bring industry back to this city you told us you're going to do that because everything will be arrayed against you people will tell you you can't do that you know what are you doing that for and uh you know it's okay well i pray too and you know all that kind of stuff i I don't even try to to draft people too much to pray i've learned god can save by many or by few if people have in their heart to want to do things and help build then we'll we'll embrace them and, and of course you can come and help with the work but your heart has to be in it you know you can't be just stepping in and, and uh, you know ridiculing and then stepping out again and so there's always opposition to rebuilding because who destroyed the the temple was the devil anyway and he he wants to see it stay destroyed he wants to see it he wants to see God's people not worship him because worship is the biggest threat that you can ever make to him dedicated people who are 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 totally in love with God and who don't take no for an answer uh, that's the threat and and more of them that's the big threat and so once people are totally dedicated to the lord and sold out to god and and won't take no for an answer from the devil won't be discouraged he knows that though that is a body of people who can do anything and so if he can leave that that temple destroyed and make people ashamed and not see a vision for rebuilding see it's one thing 
to see all these buildings and factories in Detroit empty, boarded up with graffiti on it, and you know people had taking doing drugs in them and all that it's one thing to see that but it's another thing to see a vision for rebuilding and begin to pray even when you don't see anything going on for a long time you know to pray and see that that will happen when I first moved to Detroit it's been over 20 years ago I saw I would drive through the city and I saw the desolation and God says he said one day you will we will pray to see this rebuilt and we had to pray some other stuff you uproot a lot of stuff before you can start building we just started praying to rebuild a couple years ago because it wasn't time yet but when it's time it's time everything's in place when it's time and you don't want to be praying for another 20 years for God to raise up somebody to rebuild you want to see that thing happen quickly and so God is going to do it he really really is going to do it and it will be a quick work when God does it it's a quick work I was driving around in uh, Cleveland recently and I remember in the 60s uh, during the time where, where they had riots in the cities and it was like almost every major city you looked in uh, people were burning down things and they just burnt down the inner city of Cleveland and um, uh, people would say things like uh, "Well, why are they burning that down and you know nobody really had an answer angry people will destroy things you know devil gets in people and they destroy things you can make your voice known and, and this was right after I think during during Martin Luther King's time I know it was before he was murdered and uh, he was a peaceful person he never would have stood for that kind of stuff you know he just he, he, nah, he, that, that was a no no he didn't agitate people like that and so it was a different turn on it's almost like the devil gets God will start something and it looks like a good idea to the devil and then he gets involved and takes it over and people would say things like Oh, they say, oh yeah, this is, uh, you know, just wait. They said, uh, people, people will let them tear it down and burn it down. He said, and then when nobody's watching, they'll start selling the property or giving it away to anybody who wants to rebuild. And it's happened. Cleveland Clinic has taken over almost that whole city of Cleveland, but it's not, I don't think it's being as effective as it could be. If it could be taken up by people who want housing, because it's still a housing problem there. So when people people wait, it's almost like people wait until nobody's paying attention, and they'll go in and with a boatload of money and start buying things up for a song or getting them for free, and then they start to rebuild their vision for what they want to see uh, in that city and so there's a God vision and there's a man vision I'd rather have a God vision because God will prosper a city and make sure that the residents have good houses to live in it's not totally taken up like where Cleveland Clinic didn't take uh, Case Western Reserve University has the rest of that land they're doing good things with it but nobody's living there. There's no, they, 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 the, the number of places, houses, and people that they have displaced that used to have residences there, they've not replaced any of that. They've replaced it with man's vision of what man wants to do.
And so I don't think that's nearly as good as God's vision. And they take a lot of heat for it, but they don't let anybody stop them. They're still buying up as much as they can and doing what they can with it. Uh, they say many, much of the money comes from Saudi Arabia uh, because they own a big chunk of that, um, the uh, uh, Cleveland Clinic for sure. And they've invested very heavily in it. And so we have to understand how these things work. I would much rather see God's plan come to pass for these things. Uh, because you don't want to one day have a foreign government sitting up there uh, taking over your neighborhood. You know, you want to keep things so your family can live there in peace. So anyway, that's that. So why don't we stop. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. In all of our getting, you told us to get understanding. So, Lord, we thank you for giving us understanding of your building, how you're going to rebuild our nation, how you're going to rebuild confidence in our people. Lord, we pray for every aspect of our nation, especially our schools, Lord. It's, it's, I know you're not pleased. The dropout rate in high schools is enormous, and young people have no desire to learn. So, Lord, I just thank you and I lift this up to you that we will see improvement there. We will see people have a mind to learn, a mind to work, a mind to prosper, and a mind to worship you more than anything. We want to see revival come. And we want to see people blessed, but we want to see people blessed by you. And that you would be high and lifted up in this nation. We are one nation under God, and we will continue to be that in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God. I just need to see what's the best to your feet right here. Come on. Ooh, dear, I'm not sure.